Welcome to Beyond Speaking with Brian Lord, a podcast featuring deeper conversations with the world's top speakers. Hi, I'm Brian Lord, your host of the Beyond Speaking podcast. Our guest today is Scott Hamilton, an Olympic gold medalist. Scott bridged the gap between sports and entertainment. He's a motivational speaker, television broadcaster, best-selling author, humanitarian, cancer survivor, eternal optimist, and one of the most popular figure skaters in the world. He also wrote a picture book for kids called Fritzy Finds a Hat, the benefits of Scott Hamilton Foundation's fight against cancer. As a champion and survivor, he's a constant reminder that with faith, fortitude, and determination, anything is possible. Scott, thanks so much for joining us. Well, this is fun. I, I, you know, this is, we haven't seen each other in a while, yeah. and this is a great way to reconnect and uh, to say hi to everybody out there. So it's, um, I'm really, really happy to be here. So Scott, take us back to your story. Everyone may know who you are, but maybe they don't know your whole background. Well, yeah, I was adopted at six weeks of age, which is always kind of a unique thing. You know, it, it's. Uh, identity wise, right? It was I abandoned or was I chosen? You know, it's always that tug of war, but my parents were absolutely phenomenal. Um, I can't imagine any other mom and dad, you know, and so I grew up in this really great household where if you're from, you know, academia, you expect your child to be smart if it's a birth child. If you're from athletics, you expect your child to get into sports because, you know, that's biologic, right? But when you're an adopted child, it's kind of like, Okay, let's just see what happens. <laughs> let's, just see how, let's just see what works out. And so, you know, I, I got sick as a young child. I was in and out of hospitals for four years. That was a big adventure. Lots of really interesting um, stories and epiphanies there. And then um, to give my parents a morning off, I got into skating. And then skating um, gave me kind of an identity. And, and for the first time in my life, a little taste of self-esteem because I could skate as well as well kids. And then I could skate as well as the best athletes in my grade. And so I was like, <laughs> super, that's my superpower. And so it was really just sort of that sort of bump it into walls until you figure it out. And, and uh, you know, I'm in and out of school and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in hockey, I'm in figure skating, you know, the peer pressure, all that stuff. And then I, I, I lost a lot. I failed a lot. And then I kind of had to figure it out. And then uh, the end of my amateur career, I, I found a way to, to make the Olympics in 1980, which was great, and then um, went four years undefeated through 1984, which was really great. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, and then um, I had to start a professional career in a female-dominated industry, and I figured that out. Um, lost my first job because I wasn't a woman. Built another business called Stars on Ice, and then. Um, I got cancer in the middle of that, which was really outrageous because I lost my mother to cancer actually almost 20 years to the month uh, before. And so it's just, you know, having to kind of always figure out a way to rise up to the challenge, rise up to the obstacle, figure out a way to deal with each thing as they come. And, you know, after cancer, you know, I got married, had a child, and then I had my first brain tumor. And then I had my second brain tumor, and then I had my third brain tumor, and each one of them created their own list of challenges. So, you know, what I try to, you know, say a lot, um, you know, is just I try to encourage people when I meet them. It's like we can overcome anything. It's just you. You take what's in front of you. You figure out, you know, exactly what what your assets and liabilities are, and you just sort of deal within those parameters. You know, the the most overused word in the 2020 
was a figure skating term. <laughs> and nobody even really knows it. Like when you stick your toe in the ice and then you glide around, it's called a pivot. And everybody's like trying to find ways of pivoting. And, and it's true, you've gotta, you know, whatever that, you know, if you run into a wall, you gotta figure out a way under it, over it, around it. And, and it's just one of those things that in my particular experience, I've just had to deal with on a pretty consistent basis. <laughs> What is the secret to a good pivot? A good pivot is um, to really make sure that you're, that one toe is actually in the ice and that you're able to generate enough speed to get around it. How did right? you, how long did it so take So that's a good metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really good. If you ever watch pair skating, you see the death spiral where the woman is holding onto her partner and she's leaned all the way back. You'll see his feet, he's in a pivot position. And you know, even for me, when I did triple toe loops, it's a pivot takeoff. And it's all these different pivot, pivot, pivot is all I heard. And what was really wild about that is it's like, wow, this is really, it is, it's true to the, the figure skating move where you've got to anchor yourself somewhere and then move, you know, just gotta, you gotta move, you gotta move, you gotta move right now. So um, it's been really wild to kind of see how 2020, just how we lived through it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just um, had to deal with a lot of challenges and a lot of setbacks and a lot of um, fear. You know, I, I thought, I think uh, the, the most, um, highly sought after and um, and consumed product of 2020 was fear. Mm. And so, you know, I, again, I, I, I found this identity through all of this, through all these, you know, failures and knockdowns and illnesses that encouragement is, um, is such an, an important thing to inject into people's lives. When you were a little kid, you talk about how skating saved your life and it was how you dealt with hardships. How has your method of dealing with things changed since your first obstacle to your most recent obstacles? Well, it's, it's just understanding that, you know, whatever happens. It's like, okay, so I had to estimate how many times have I fallen down on the ice since my first steps on the ice through my amateur and my professional career? Because I skated for a really long time. Yeah. 36 years, all right? <laughs> so I figured in that, that in, in my, on the low end, I've fallen 41,600 times, <laughs> right? So when you fall down 41,600 times, you, you kind of have to get up 41,600 times. And, and failure takes on a different identity. Failure is more about information, um, more than just the, the, the ickiness of failure, right? It's like we all have our failures and they kind of, they're sticky, mm -hmm. right? But once I got to the point where I realized that failure is just honestly just nothing more than information, that didn't work, let's try it this way. That didn't work, let's try it this way. That door just slammed in my face. All right, window, anyone? Where do we go? <laughs> so you, you're in this constant mode of, like at least you know, I think we all are, but I, you know, I'm in this constant mode of having to kind of figure out how to deal with my current situation. So when 2020 came, I said, you know, I'm going to do what I always did when I had cancer or one of my brain tumors. I'm going to be the best patient there is out there. I'm going to listen to all the information. I'm going to do it. And then when you sit and listen to it for a while, it all starts kind of colliding into each other. And then it becomes this sort of chaotic situation. I go, no, let me go back to my roots. Here's my problem. How am I going to solve it? And when you get used to that idea that failure is equal to information only. Now think about this. If a baseball player only fails two times out of three, 
he's in the Hall of Fame, mm -hmm. right? So there's that. And I think, you know, I, I felt five times in my first nationals. Well, I got up five times in my first <laughs> nationals. And I came in dead last in front of 17,500 people. Humiliating. How do you rise above that? And it's just all of those things that you learn over time. It's like, I'm on tour. I'm 50 cities into a 60-city tour, and I can't stand up straight anymore. I have cancer. Oh, okay. I just thought I had an ulcer. <laughs> now what? It's like, you do the best you can. And you do it with all the, all the information that you have, and, and you do it in the best way you know how. And, and over time, I think what happens is you get into a situation where you, um, you just sort of become more resilient. Mm -hmm. You know, you become more kind of substantial. It's like we've just lived through a global pandemic, and they're starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel. And it's like, okay, it's there. We're, 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 we just got to keep, keep our heads down and just keep going until we get through it. And, and so in my little life adventure, it's been really fun to encourage people, just encourage people. It's like, you know, month two of the lockdowns, you know, what am I going to do? You know, there's nobody's, you know, there's no work, there's no anything else. So we created an encouragement platform called Live Your Days. Because I've been reminded that our bodies right are incredibly vulnerable susceptible fragile to a, a million different things also incredibly resilient temporary <laughs> <Let's> just, <laughs> but we are we're, we're temporary so how what are we going to do with our days and it's been this real fun thing to ignite this kind of like this new passion for embracing whatever life hands me and in that time i learned how to grill I learned how to, you know, just sit around the table and have dinner every night instead of trying to figure out a way to get home from the airport in time from dinner. And it's been glorious. You know, I've connected with my kids in ways that I never could have without it. And it's just trying to find a way to shore us up physically so that if we are exposed, you know, we're going to be able to, you know, just get through it. So it's all about just like, keep going, get through it. And it's been um, a, a really fun adventure. So do you think that spirit that you have, is, is that something that you were born with? Is it something you learned from other people? Where did it come from? I think it comes from, what's the worst thing that can happen? Oh, it, it just happened. All right. <laughs> I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, I guess that wasn't a game over situation, right? So yeah. it is, it's that, that whole idea of like, I've done everything. You, I've lost jobs. I've failed at relationships. I've, um, I've. I've failed at competitions. I've failed figure tests. I've, and what I've learned throughout, you know, it's like what I tell my kids and they always just sort of eye roll and just sort of like, give me a break, dad. <laughs> it's like, what's the greatest strength, right? And they, they look at me and they go, okay, all right, I'll say it. All right, lack, you know, lack of weakness. I go, that's it. Greatest strength, <laughs> lack of weakness, figure out where you're weak and get strong. Like they hate math. Work it out. Math is absolute. There's only one answer. Yeah. Okay. Come on. You can do this. You can do this. So it's all those things that, you know, I, I was horrible at the figure eights mm -hmm. and I hated them. And I, what I found is the more I hated them, the more they hated me back. Yeah. And so once I decided to fall in love with compulsory figures, it was like, wow, they like me. <laughs> right. And it's yeah. the only reason it was, well, not the only reason, the main reason that I won the Olympics in 1984 was because I won the figures and I beat the best guy ever in figures in the world. And it was just one of those things that if you don't ask yourself to do something, you'll never get an answer. 
Wow. And so how, how do you teach those to your kids? So you're a great family man. You've got four kids, three boys and a girl. Yeah. Um, uh, do you specifically set out to teach them that and have they reflected what you've taught them? They kind of, you know, dads can't really say much to their kids without it being like, ugh. You know, it's like, here he goes again. You know, but it's, it's you know, it's just pouring into them and, and just trying to, you know, what I, what I found was as we get older, we start to collect you know, life habits, you know, um, whatever, you know, what kind of things that we do. And when my first son was born and I'm holding him in my arm, here's his head and here's his feet. I'm, I'm, you know, looking into flesh of my own flesh for the very first time. And I'm looking into my eyes. He had my eyes. <laughs> and I was like, I want to be everything this child would want me to be. So all those things that weren't healthy, all those things that, you know, my language, words I use, the way, you know, I get up in the morning, whatever I needed to do to be that example for him, that was a constant thought. And then, you know, I, we have the first child and then, you know, what, how many months, I guess it was 14 months later, I, I'm diagnosed with a pituitary brain tumor and we wanted another child. So now it's like, what do I, what do I have to do to have another child? Well, you have to self-inject six times a week mm. until it works. And it never worked. For mm. two years, I self-injected six days a week. I would inject just to try to create some level of fertility. And we finally just decided that, all right, um, this isn't working. It's really expensive. And um, it's starting to get to the point where I, I dread it. Yeah. So... Um, if we're going to have another child, well, God will give us another child. I'm just where we're going to go. And, the, you know, <laughs> be careful what you ask for. <laughs> right? So, um, you know, I went to a well visit at the Cleveland Clinic and, and just to track the, my brain tumor. And um, they left me waiting for a while. I'm reading Dave Ramsey's book about, you know, about emergency funds. And I'm getting all these signals, right? And it's like, oh, no, some, I'm going to get bad news today. Or I'm going to get something, something earth-shattering is going to happen today. And um, a doctor came in, he goes, oh, it's fine. It was just, it was a different looking MRI because you were on a new machine and uh, you're fine, go home. So I turn on my phone, at that time it was a flip phone and the pics, why do they put cameras on flip phones? I never understood that, <laughs> right? So I opened the thing and, and there's a pics message and I couldn't really make it out. And uh, basically it was uh, a positive pregnancy test. And so wow. my second son was born with flaming red hair. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and then, um, you know, two years after that, um, you know, the Haiti earthquake happens and that sets us up for um, adopting two more children. So we went from one doubting whether we'd have another to having four. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where it's, it's game on. You know, we're a multiracial family and dealing with all the challenges that come with, um, you know, our world. And, and it's just, you know, giving our children every opportunity to succeed. And, uh, you know, the, so many different things going on in this world. This week is also, uh, you know, we had World Cancer Day. Mm -hmm. And you are a, a New York Times bestselling author for, you know, sort of more traditional books. But also, um, you have this amazing book that just came out last year, Fritzy Finds a Hat. Yeah, so we released it last year on World Cancer Day. And it's basically, this. It, it's inspired by the story of my mom coming home and telling us that she had cancer. And she did it in a really super upbeat, very, hey everybody, just came back from the doctor, I've got cancer. And it was almost <laughs> like she was excited about it. It's like, wait a minute, I thought cancer was a bad thing. 
And she just didn't want us to fear, didn't want us to be um, consumed in, you know, obviously what she was going through and really wanted to create an environment where it could be as positive and as joyful as possible. So Fritzy find a hat is, um, finds that is, is basically, uh, my mom came home and just said, okay, I'm gonna have cancer. I'm gonna have some medicines. I'm gonna do these things. And Fritzy, who's a skater, takes it on to, you know, he's, I've got to help my mom solve a big problem. And that's the hat she's going to wear to treatments on Tuesdays. Mm -hmm. And so Fritzy goes out, Brad Paisley, country music superstar, did um, a lot of the illustrations in the book. And it was really It's nice he has something to fall back on now. The yeah, really. Yeah. doesn't work out. He can be an illustrator <laughs> yeah. for kids' books. Yeah, really. And nobody's, <laughs> he, you know, if you spend any time with Brad, and obviously people do, you know, in their cars and, you know, in their headsets and things. But you know, he's an artist, you know, in every sense of the word, he's always creating, always, whether it be, um, you know, he's written a book or he's doing um, paintings or and they're all over his house and his kids are very involved. And Kim does a lot of art as well with her writing and everything. And it's just a very artistic household. So when I asked him, I go, would you help me with this children's book? He said, absolutely. And then he, he called me and whenever I get these calls and he goes, can I ask you a question? It's like, uh-oh. <laughs> and I go, anything. And he goes, can my sons, can they do it? Can they do a hat in the book? And so I go, absolutely. So it's kind of a family business, you know. He brought boys in; they all got to work on the book, and and it's about, you know, it's about cancer, and it's about a gentle way of talking to your children about cancer because the statistics are alarming: one in two men, one in three women will be diagnosed with cancer in this country. It's the number one cause of death. How do you how do you bring this up to your children to allow them to kind of operate positively in that and so we really felt like fritzy finds a hat was a great way to talk about it but also to instill those values in your children that they can help their parents solve problems mm. you know to me that's that's the real get it's like you know mom is is she's facing something how can i help her mm. and you know fritzy finds a way to give her the perfect hat but you have to you know buy the book in order to get the ending. <laughs> I know you do. I looked it up online. I'm like, I need to see the ending because you only get so many hats out of the, the different And you things. couldn't sleep, right? I know. I'm like, what's happening here? There is a cowboy hat in there. So I'm like, oh, Brad Paisley. He had to make sure there's a cowboy hat. Not to spoil too much yeah. of it. Um, so, you know, this is obviously something you've done. And part of it goes to uh, your CARES, your Scott Hamilton CARES. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and what that does? Yeah, so CARES came out of... Um, my cancer diagnosis. When I lost my mother on 1977, it happened like, it feels like yesterday that I lost her, but uh, 1977, it was a brutal day and I decided that I had to do whatever I could to participate in the cancer community to, to help. If I could figure out a way, a way to treat my mom's cancer, I'll know I was born, basically. So I, I became a fundraiser and then 20 years after I lost her, I diagnosed with stage three cancer. And it was there that I learned what chemotherapy was, what facing a major surgery is all about, what all the uncertainties and the lack of information and the lack of support. And so I, out of my survivorship, I created CARES. And CARES stands for the Cancer Alliance for Research Education Survivorship. And it's all about, you know, in, in, in its initial launch, it's about filling gaps in the cancer community. When I looked up testicular cancer on the internet, I got um, medical journal papers with 12 syllable words, sometimes six to a sentence. 
I'm too dumb to be sick, really? Come on, <laughs> yeah. that's not fair. That's not fair. And so we created uh, chemocare.com, which is a website that explains everything about the chemotherapy experience on eighth grade English and Spanish. Then we created the Fourth Angel Mentoring Program, which pairs newly diagnosed patients with survivors of the same treatment and disease you know, type. And then um, from there, it's all about research. And now, in the, the most, you know, for the last six years, we've been a dedicated foundation, mm -hmm. and all we care about is advancing uh, the kind of um, cancer treatment options that treat the cancer and spare the patient harm. Mm -hmm. And so, scottcares.org for anybody that wants to throw a mountain of money at us, um, <laughs> which we, you know, desperately need because the science is up here. It used to be like when Nixon declared war on cancer, the money would push the science, the money would push the understanding of the disease. Well, now they map the genome. They've got a better understanding of how the human body works. Now the science is up here and the money's down here. So we need to kind of start closing that gap. And we've been really working hard to, to do that. So um, in a year where um, we raise most of our money through events, we've had to pivot. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're just really um, uh, creating these really cool, unique partnerships. And we're working with companies that are really health-based and, and it's been really fun to kind of um, learn and, and, and grow our capacity to, to serve cancer patients in different ways. So we do have some uh, questions that are coming in here. So one we've got from Julie and from John. What accomplishments are you most proud of? Oh, man. Um, you know, I, I, I guess... Whew. I mean, the Olympics is really super logical. I mean, the fact that I'm like five foot three, weigh you know nothing, and I'm an Olympic gold medalist makes no sense at all. <laughs> you know, especially growing up where I did with a family of academics. Um, I you know I do think what I'm most proud of is my family. You know, my my children and just the promise of how they'll interact with the world and and try to make it a better place. But um, yeah, I think you know my family is what I'm most proud of. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, that's one of those. One of the questions we got in were: if you took away this and this and this and this and this, what are you most proud of? Like, <laughs> yes. that's, that's a little too specific. Yeah, well, looking for one answer. There's a lot of my body parts missing, so that's okay too. <laughs> uh, so, a question from uh, from uh, let's see here: what keeps you uh, centered? Some days it feels so overwhelming. Do you have a go-to strategy, resource, or or activity that helps? Are we allowed to go there? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's you know, it's like I always thought life was so chaotic, and I always thought that the things happening to me were were I just bad luck or I'm cursed or anything else. And then, you know, um, I I always I was I skated with Janet Lynn in the '70s, and she was faith-based, like nobody's business. She was a true dedicated Christian, and I didn't understand. I tried and I couldn't figure it out. So I kind of well, hopefully I will figure that out. So when I met my wife after cancer, um, you know, she just said, you know, where are you in your relationship with Jesus? And I, I said what any smart guy would say, I'd say, yeah. where do you want me to be? <laughs> but it was there that it kind of, I was at a place where I could really start to understand. And as I dove into, into my faith, which I did, you know, I dive into everything, but I, as I dove into my faith, man, all those questions were answered. It wasn't a curse it was it was i was being moved i was being adjusted i was being fortified you know in romans it says you know that suffering produces endurance endurance character and character hope and it's like i read that and it's like yeah i get it now 
And when I hear people say that cancer is the worst thing that ever happened to me, I agree with them. And when I hear people say cancer is the best thing that ever happened to me, I agree with them. Because without cancer, I wouldn't have the family I have right now. I wouldn't have the marriage I have right now. I probably wouldn't live in Nashville. I mean, it's these forks in the road that really take you where you need to go. And I've been really blessed that um, to navigate those forks and to have all of it make sense through my dedication to my faith. And, and just reading the Bible and just understanding the wisdom that's in it has really been incredibly fortifying, especially at uncertain times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got time for one or two more questions. So one is uh, from Carrie, where can you order the book? The order of the book anywhere, um, uh, Amazon.com, uh, BarnesandNoble.com. You know, it's available where all books are sold. Best thing, obviously, is if a book's been on the market for a while, like Fritzy's been out a year, um, it's better to buy it online. It's, there's usually always copies online. Yeah. yeah. And next question from Julie Altser. Uh, my mom, Nancy Gilbert, is a huge fan of Scott and figure skating. Uh, uh, could you please say hello to her? <laughs> Sorry, Hi, Nancy Gilbert. I'm reading these live as we're reading them here. Hi, Nancy Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's fun that, you know, just through different, um, like Cameo. Cameo has been so much fun. Mm-hmm. You know, where, you know, people, will, you know, they'll send you a request to do a video shout out. And, and I, I, I've really gotten into that. And it's been a really fun way to interact with people, like on birthdays, special occasions, you know, encouragements, things like that. And, and we have all these new partnerships through CARES, like, you know, with Encourage X and, and all these other platforms that are really, and live your days, obviously, is just meant to be a destination of encouragement. So. It's been really fun. So hi, Nancy. Hope you're having a great day. <laughs> well, I think that is a, a great way to uh, finish. Uh, oh, we got one more. And then I think we're finishing up here because I think we're out of time. Uh, how old are your children and do any of them figure skate? Uh, okay. 19, 17, 17, and 13. Uh, the first three never had an interest in skating, but they can because mm-hmm. we obviously do, especially <laughs> on family vacations. Uh, my youngest one played hockey for a few years, mm-hmm. and uh, now he's decided that he really would rather be like all in on the school experience. Yeah. So um, he's playing basketball right now. Believe it or not, a five foot three dad as a basketball <laughs> player, and uh, you know, they, all my kids are really involved. And in, my oldest son Jean Paul is a soccer player. Eveline played soccer at CPA this year. Uh, Aiden is a soccer player that's now getting into martial arts, and he wants to go into the. Uh, armed forces and be a soldier mm-hmm. and uh, Max you know is is you know soccer basketball he wants to play football at, at um, Brentwood Academy good luck with that and um, <laughs> and and just you know he loves all sports and he loves his buddies so um, you know as long as our kids are being socialized and they're, they're crushing in school not down to crush but do the best they can in school yeah. and uh, you know it's all you can ask mm-hmm. yeah so I've been blessed you know they're all healthy um, and, uh, you know, my wife, who's a warrior champion, awesome, uh, woman is just, you know, she's kind of the, the rock that keeps everything on point and, uh, <laughs> and just um, leads with love, which is amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. And how are we doing on time, by the way? Are we pretty close in? 11.30. Oh, 11.30. All right. Last question. All right. For this from Michael, how do you feel the current state of figure skating is is at and how is the U.S. talent for the upcoming Olympics? Uh, Nathan Chen, um, how do you beat Nathan Chen when he's on his game? You can't, right? So I would, unless he has some sort of injury or meltdown or something weird happens, 
I would I would almost put him in as a lock to win the Olympic gold medal in Beijing in, in a, a next, year after next. Um, U.S. team, I, you know, I think they're pretty strong. We, we're still needing some help in pairs. Dance-wise, we're in great shape. Ladies, we've got some strong ladies coming up. But, you know, what's interesting is, you know, back in the, I, I'd probably say the, uh, late 90s, you know, the whole business model of figure skating changed and they kept everyone in the competitive side. So entities like Stars and I started to diminish, you know, the business of skating, the industry changed. Mm-hmm. And so there's not as many opportunities for skaters now as there was before. So I feel badly about that. I do think that, you know, I always like to think the pendulum swings both ways. So it'll be really interesting to see you know, what Team USA does at the next Olympics to inject new interest in the sport and to see if people would start coming out to live events, if we can ever have live events again. <laughs> but um, I don't know, it's just, it's changed a lot. It's really more about competitive skating than the full experience of becoming an entertainer. Mm-hmm. From my first steps on the ice to Olympic gold was 16 years, mm-hmm. and then I toured for 20. Wow. So that toured for 20 thing doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. So what I, I feel sad about is that a lot of skaters will reach the peak of their athletic um, ability and and then there's really no place for them to go from there. And so they end up diminishing, you know? So I'm hoping and we'll see. Um, hopefully we'll be able to inject new interest in skating and, and really build a new fan base that would um, make shows like Stars on Ice more viable and um, economically more stable. Great. Well, Scott, thank you so much for coming well, on. Thank and, you, Brian. It's fun to be here. here. It was blast. I love doing this. <laughs> well, you, this you're great. a lot of fun. This makes it so much. Oh it's man! Very easy. And very I, easy. the one thing I miss most about traveling is. I fly Southwest almost exclusively, uh-huh. and I meet a lot of people. <laughs> and so it's like, that's a big void in my life. So I'm hoping that we can, we pivoted this way. Let's pivot back that way to um, having, you know, more uh, opportunities to, you know, assemble and, and to, to live as we're supposed to live in community. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing. If you do happen to run into Scott at Costco, Gasline, or Anytime. somewhere else, yeah. uh, everybody has a story. Oh, yeah, I ran into Scott, and we were hunting for the same toy at, at Target or something <laughs> yes. like that. You're, you're actually somebody who's pretty well known that it's okay to say hi to. Oh, man, I was in uh, I was in a grocery store the other day, and I almost crashed into this lady. <laughs> and we ended up, like, after I almost crashed into her, I ran into her again. And uh, we ended up sitting there for almost half an hour talking. Oh, wow. So, Oh, don't like if you if you got time it's yeah let's do this because <laughs> I'm, I'm not going anywhere you know, <laughs> unless something's on fire um but yeah it's just i, I really enjoy interacting and and uh just making new friends so i'm looking forward to life getting back to whatever the next the, not the new normal the next normal is going to be Thank you for joining us for the Beyond Speaking podcast. To learn more about today's guest, go to beyondspeak.com. Make sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you listen.